Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here on a windy Monday in which I've already uh, lost the, the internet one time today because of the wind. Uh, and Dave, I'm, I'm having the night from hell uh, today. You know, when kids are little, like it's it's constant. But like when they get sick, it's it's not that big of a deal. But when they get older and they get sick, like the ultimate sick kind of way, it's horrible. And I'm, I'm I'm trudging through it, literally and metaphorically here. It's the worst. So you're having a really good Monday is what you're trying to tell me. Oh, it feels very Monday. Yeah. It feels very nice. Yeah. You have a really sick kid and I might Three be a solo them. host at any moment. Yes, I think that uh, you should be prepared on, for, on both counts for both of those. Things. I can tell you 100% without reservation, I'm not prepared to host the show alone today. So, Well, good luck. I hope you don't go away because James and I might be going to national. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to be fine, but I do got three sick kids, so just uh, bear <laughs> with sucks, me. That sucks, man. Uh, it super sucks. This is the first time I've ever felt like I just have three other people and not like little kids. It's the worst. Mm. Speaking of the worst, this basketball season, it's been the worst. <laughs> That's a nice uh, transition there, champ. Yeah, you know, you set all that <laughs> Speaking up of the say. worst, how about this basketball team? It, it has been the worst. It's been uh, one long, uh, I think, difficult trying season uh, for Louisville fans to try to watch this team uh, and, and hope for some sort of feeling of progress. And, you know, I've been surprised, Dave, I think it, at various times this year in feeling like, I didn't see how uh, – I wasn't prepared for how little some people might get upset about this game or that game or how angry uh, angry some people might be in reaction to this game or that game. It's been weird. It's been weird. Guard. Like it, trying yeah? to track uh, the, yeah. uh, the fan base's reactions. It's like almost – because I can't call it random because it's almost like it's – the enough of the fan base has had like a synchronized reaction to it, but like some some losses have just hit harder than others, and others they've just been like, eh. It's very weird to track. What's your sense then? Because I'm glad that you you said that because I'm it makes me feel not crazy. But, but what's your your feeling about how folks have reacted to the Georgia Tech game that went so poorly for Louisville uh, over the weekend? Honestly, I think. This is from my my perspective uh, and what I've seen on Twitter, and I think I 
I interact with enough of the fan base. I think everyone just kind of doubled down on, well, you better get players. <laughs> and and it was basically just pointing to next year. Like everyone's, if you're out on Kenny, you're still out on Kenny. If you're looking to next year, you're still looking to next year. But it was just kind of an emphatic, like, well, this isn't going to work. And we need a hard reset after that game. I didn't see a ton of like over-the-top anger. I think a fair amount of people were somewhat surprised at how lethargic the team came out, and it was it was uh, definitely disappointing for anybody watching the game. But by the end of it, it was just like, eh, you know, on to the next. Tough felt yeah. to me. I'm I was struck by how little anger there was for a right. loss, and it does scare me that we are. Uh, perhaps this desensitized to how poorly it's gone uh this year but this was they they literally have already beaten this team yeah and this team by is 10 a, points and isn't this is not a good georgia tech team at all and here louisville really was not competitive in this game from about the first half from about halfway through the first half to the end of the game it was never a particularly close game and i was you know i was having this conversation with uh with somebody uh, a little bit earlier today but I don't know how to get back the sensitivity we might have about how lopsided these games have been. Like, like it has been, I would be, I think, because I think you could only kind of do this manually trying to calculate what it might be, but I'm sure there's never been a Louisville basketball, men's basketball season, where Louisville has spent this much time down 15 or more right but it feels like they've played enormous amounts of 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 virtual virtually every game this year down by an inordinate amount of points to teams that you have no business being down like no one should trail georgia tech by 15 nobody not even no no nobody should ever do that no and they are and i i'm disappointed that it has that we don't even at least get the feeling of like progress from earlier games to this one because when it was Florida State right and you got owned and then you had a chance at the end you're like all right that's a little progress there but in some of these other games where like here's the second time around for this team it's it's either the same or worse the pit game got worse this game's significantly worse we're not even unfortunately I think going to get to the end of the year and really feel like there's been a lot of progress to really show for this that's that's what's frustrating and and why I thought there would be more anger maybe. I just think it's so late in the season that people are just don't make you can't muster it, which is which is unfortunate, but I think people saw and we've talked about what we we saw as progress at least a little bit. Like I realized the starting point was so low that you know, progress is is a relative term, but the month of February, we broke down the numbers. Like, there's been progress. They played better against the toughest uh, four-game stretch of their schedule and got a win out of it against a better team. And, and there was reasons to believe, like, all right, this team's playing a little better and, and maybe they can pull out a win on the road against a bad Georgia Tech team that they've already beaten at home and they should have a shot to be competitive against Tech and maybe pull that one out and – we won't talk about the road game at Virginia at the end, but you know those two games. Like it was realistic to believe they could possibly knock those two teams off, and really, it, the way we talked about it last week, they probably should expect to beat this Georgia Tech team, or at least 
be in the game the whole time, and they were down bad early and never really got out. They cut it to six at one point, but it didn't feel like they were going to win that game. And, and Georgia Tech, you know, summarily pushed that lead back out. And it's just – it was a frustrating game to watch and, and disappointing at this point in the season, you know, when you're trying to, to build towards some kind of momentum in the offseason, you know, and something to, to build towards and something to, to hope for next year and think about. Uh, this, was, this was rough, and it was tough to – the questions, the things that we said last week – Mark, like, uh, like I'm really not sure why you would play Sidney Curry down the stretch. I can't really see a reason. And then Sid plays like 14 minutes and goes 0 for 4 from the field. He ends up with two free throws and four rebounds. And just like, but I just didn't see a benefit from having him out there, you know, and, and seeing the same guys do the same things. Like Kamari Lance was a nice bright spot on Saturday. We got to see him have – maybe his best game of the year one of them um a piece that you hope comes back and you can build off next year but man it was a that was a tough game to watch losing by 16 to to josh pastor and that team it's just tough it's just kind of another smack in the face like this is the season you're having you know it it is the season that they're having uh, and i think there is a little bit of danger i i think that kenny is obvious is safe i think that there's uh, the the probably what and we'll talk about this obviously throughout the show here, but some of the roster moves that might be on deck here or might get done uh, in the near future might encourage folks some. But you know, I, I don't think that Kenny can just is free to just sort of wash his hands of the whole season and and to where it kind of doesn't matter how this thing ends. You know, I think he actually did get some goodwill from folks for the not only the win against Clemson, but the way that they had played in the Miami game at Miami, in the Virginia game, the Clemson game, like you had, and even for some long stretches of, of Duke, you, you were, like there were things that you could point out and be like, all right, that wasn't really true of this team earlier in the year. They, th- this looks better than it did at the beginning of the year. The, the Georgia Tech game, to me, just it was a sad kind of reversion to, to any of the, like the non-conference games from earlier in the year. It just didn't. It didn't look dramatically different from any of those games mm-hmm. at all. And I just, I at least wanted us to get to the end of the year feeling like they had moved past that. Right, Even right, like right, just kind yeah. of a bum performance would look better than it did, but it didn't, Dave. It did not. And I, I think for me, the thing that I just, it haunts me. I said this on the the wrap with uh, with Tyler yesterday. It bothers me. It troubles me that from the beginning of the year right up until now they have not gotten any better defensively yeah whereas you know we've pointed out things where where hey this was a problem at the beginning of the year i don't think they knew what they were doing at all offensively i think they've gotten a lot better in that regard even when they're not having a great shooting night it doesn't look like they they don't know what they're doing on offense they just see the shots go in or they don't they don't take care of the ball or they or they do but like, you could just sort of see the way things end up playing out. But it, it's bothersome to me that they have never been a, an intense defensive team from the start of the season until now. To Like, like Georgia Tech is, is not a good team at all, guys. They shot 56% from the field. And, and to me, 
you tell me if you think this is kind of crazy, but I feel like defense is a lot more fundamental. It's a lot more about the attitude and effort of what the players are asked to do and not so much scheme. Like there, I think there are a million ways to be a really, really good defensive team that are, that are very distinct from one another and that it, I can almost always tell what a team thinks about what it's doing and its coach and, and the morale and everything by how they defend. Yeah. It, it's, I'm most worried now here with just a couple of games left probably, three games, four games, two games, whatever it might be. I'm most worried by the fact, Dave, that they've never – I can't recall even stretches of games where I feel like they have really dug in defensively. Yeah. All year. So this is this has been something we've talked about the last couple of weeks where I think the most troubling thing about this – I mean, because we can point to to some offensive development from individuals and everything, and there's been moments where the and even most like majority of games in the last couple of weeks where the offense has has at least looked somewhat capable, you know, and and, and somebody other than L. Ellis is going out there and scoring points, but on the defensive end, it hasn't improved all year. There hasn't been any linear improvement, any improvement at all, and. Like you just said, that's the one thing I feel like, regardless of what system a coach runs, like I feel like it's the biggest reflection for me personally of of buying into a system or whatever. Or, or like you don't have to be like really really skilled. Yes, I agree to play with that. defense yes. well, like skilled. I'm not talking about yep. you have to be athletic and you have to be this and that, but you don't have to be skilled you don't have to be a great shooter you don't have to be a great dribbler you know what i mean you just you need to be able to do what your coach tells you and do it with intensity and effort you know so you need to know where you are you need to know where you need to be position wise regardless of what system you run you need to understand where you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be in relation to your teammates you know and 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 you need to do those things with urgency and suddenness you know and that's the thing that that i just don't see with this team they're still questioning where they're supposed to be you know what i mean they're still completely losing guys on rotation or completely losing guys on on the perimeter and i just i feel like it's easier to organize a group of players into a great defensive team than it is a great offensive team and i just that's the one thing like for a person who's looking for reasons to to buy in it's the biggest red flag for me when i see just this team's complete inability to put together a defensive you know, effort for, for, for 40 minutes. It just, and I think that's, that often is a reflection of coaching and the relationship with the coach and everything like that. And that's, that's the stuff that, that is most alarming to me at this point going forward. We will, uh, we'll open up the phone lines uh, at the bottom of the hour here, but uh, a disappointing loss uh, to, to Georgia tech and a feeling that we are going to get to the end of the year uh, having moved along a path towards the team being better, but not nearly as much as I think maybe we were hoping for. And, and of, of everything, I was hoping that those, that the way that they had played from my, after the second pit game forward represented kind of a step forward. And, and that even the, the losses, you'd be like, all right, here's a team that, that's fighting. Like the Duke game to me felt like they, they played really hard. They never really let off the gas. And you could just tell they're not a great defensive team, and Duke's skilled enough to take advantage of it, but they'd sort of left it all out there. 
for for what they are and that you could have lived with all those this game didn't feel like that and i i think i had just hoped that this was the end of that feeling that we could at least put that behind and we didn't instead it was it felt very much like players just trying to get through a game that we were all watching to just get through yeah and that that's just disturbing <laughs> i hate it it's not what we're used to and it's not what we're ever going to be used to um this has been just the lack of of defensive continuity or or uh, the ability to play defense has really been the, and that's the, really the hardest like when you're when you're trying to to keep pace with a team and every time you put together like three or four offensive possessions that, that are pretty good but you don't score a couple in a row and they're just relentless and being able to score on you because you can't stop them i mean that's why these these games have been so ugly this year you know if you're a good defensive team but you struggle offensively at least you can keep keep them within striking you can distance muck up a lot of games exactly like if yeah. you're a great defensive team or even a good defensive team you can keep a team within striking distance you know and and if you go on a mini run maybe you can steal it you know when when you're a bad defensive team and you've got to figure out a way to score like a minimum of 75 80 points every game just to be in it that's a tough ask it's a tough ask for a team that's not that good on offense either well and and that's really to me i i think the thing if we're going to look for i'm trying to think of like the best ways to describe what plagues the team uh, th- that captures like the, the the most number of like symptoms right like the overarching things that are a problem one of them obviously is just the lack of skilled enough ball handlers so that like that's systemic but in terms of like the players that you have on your roster it's easy to get people to try hard on offense people it's the fun part like it's yeah. to me you ne- almost never find a guy who looks unmotivated on offense unless he's just kind of pouting typically people it's it's the other end it's the defensive end that shows when does a guy believe in what everyone's supposed to be doing? When does a guy show you that he understands he's part of a team concept? When does a guy show you that he believes in lots and lots of little things and won't let them slip? That's when that's when you're on defense. It's when you feel like maybe nobody's looking at you, but you're on the defensive end. And that's the rope that this team has dropped all year. And, and if for the... He'll definitely be back next year, and uh, you stop talking about it and all like that's fine. I understand that that's where we are. But if I'm Josh Hurd, like that's the biggest thing that would keep me up at night is like I may want to be patient with Kenny. I may, uh, I'm sure he does, you yeah. know, and I may, I may have a lot of faith in in him and his vision, and there may be good explanations for why some of these things have happened this year that that maybe will never come out, but that will make you. If we knew them, we would understand why you seem so confident, Kenny, and all that sort of thing. But the, it's the defensive lack of, of effort and energy and all that sort of thing that, to me, would would scare me the most about just sort of full-throated support. And it was on full display against Georgia Tech. And I, I had just really hoped that that part was behind us. And it's not. Yeah, I mean, that's what scares me about it. And Kenny talked about it a little bit in the in the post game, you know, and, and it's – and he talked about there's just no urgency on defense, you know what I mean? There's no this and that, and it's it went back to the talking about it, and in a way I realized that they're probably not going to change much in the last couple of games of the season, but it still it sounded like us. It's almost it's the hot dog meme guy, like we're trying to figure out who did this, you know. We're all trying to find out who did this, and it's like, well, 
I mean, whose responsibility is it to make sure that they have urgency on defense and know where they're supposed to be? And they, I don't know. It's just the whole thing bothers me, and it's the biggest red flag for me. And I hope that something changes in the off season, and maybe there's staff shakeups that need to happen. Maybe we all know that there needs to be a big roster turnover, and there's some news hopefully on that end of the spectrum. You know, it's came up over this weekend, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk uh, about that. Here, I want to read a text. Just, you know. I want to read a text to you. Text says this. I'm ready for the KP Redemption Tour next year. Rid himself of this whole team. This is the text. Along with Manny and Jameson, I've come to grips with KP, KP being coached next year. Excited to see what he puts together. I am totally cool with being like, hey, I'm optimistic about what they're going to be able to put together. That's fine. Like, I have no issue with any of that. But – on the hierarchy of things that are going to make any difference for Louisville basketball in the future, making changes at your third and fourth assistant coach don't matter. I just want, like, if you think that him firing Josh Jameson and Danny Manning and bringing in two other people is going to make a night and day difference, or really any difference at all, on this, like, in terms of what's going to influence what Louisville basketball looks like in the future. Two other people sitting there at the places where Josh Jameson and Danny Manning sit are going to make 1% difference. The person who matters most is Kenny Payne. And this is not football where it's like you hire a coordinator and that person does the other side of the ball and you just never go over there. This isn't Todd Grantham coaching the defense or Bobby's the offensive coach. Like That's not how it works at all. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. Replacing two of your four assistant coach or th- whatever. Two or three, it, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't change. Kenny is what matters. Kenny is what matters. And the players on the roster playing in the game are what matters. Oh, I think that's what matters 90 to 95% of it is that, for sure. I do think that on certain staffs and in certain situations, Assistants play major roles, you know, but we don't even know what type of head coach Kenny is at this point. So we're not sure. We can't say with with uh, certainty what changing the assistants would look like. You know what I mean? Like we can analyze if Rick Pitino has a Ralph Willard on the bench and how much that could change his outlook and how much that helps, you know, in certain situations. We can break down, uh, you know, Cal Perry having his assistant coaches and what happened when, you know, Robeck and uh, Kenny Payne left, and all that stuff, and the and the, the you know that type of thing. Like we can we can do that, but with Kenny Payne being a first year and going into a second year, I think it was important. The type of staff he hired was really important, um, but we don't really know what role they're playing at this point. We're really not sure what who's doing what, you know, going forward. And I think that's, I think it's it's a throwaway to say that. They're going to make staff changes, but I also think that it's probably going to happen after a a four and however many loss it ends up being year four and twenty eight or whatever. Um, oh, uh, listen, I'm going to be clear about something. Uh, I there have to be staff changes. I don't think that you've ever had a team that went four and you know, let's say they win one more game and go five and twenty seven or whatever it might be, you know, to end the year. They. There's never been one where the head coach stayed that they didn't make some massive changes, right? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I would be – and if you're counting on an assistant coach dramatically changing it, well, then you got the wrong head coach. That, see, I agree with that statement completely. I just think that 
it might make a bigger difference than like a one or two percent. I know you're just throwing that out there, but I think it makes. I don't think it's very much, Dave. I think it make. I think it can make a bigger difference, but I don't think you can change dramatically change. Like if he's not the right guy for the job, hiring the best assistant in the world isn't going to help him. I right. agree with that. I totally yeah. agree with that sentiment. Yeah. So I don't really want to parse like how much it matters. Yeah, he's the Kenny Payne is the is no matter what they change around him, in terms of like the percentages of like the total ingredients in the product that is Louisville basketball, he's the he's the biggest piece. Sure. One hundred percent. Because like we could have fired the three best recruiters in the country, but if the head coach wasn't into nil it doesn't matter at this point you know and i realize that i think that that question's been answered and i'm not right i'm not digging it back right. up or anything but that's the truth you know what i mean like if that's the case the head coach is still gonna set the tone you know and and, and at the end of the day and i do think that it's useful for a guy like that who's never been a head coach to have guys on the bench that have run teams and run practices before you know i think that that's a big deal with a guy who's never been a head coach before um but beyond that you're not wrong i mean you're not going to go out there and fix like systemic issues with assistant coach hires. You're not going to do that. And quite frankly, if you have him hire people he's not comfortable with, you might end up with another Chris Mack situation. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't want uh, whatever Kenny's version of uh, Ross McMaines is. Which who was that. who was actually hiring like an offensive coordinator. We just talked about how that's not what And then didn't basketball. let him do it. Yeah, but he actually <laughs> did it and then he was like, "Nah, I don't like that." <laughs> We're not doing Mid-season, that. Season no less. So weird. Such a such a cluster, such a cluster. Last season was. It's and been, this is one too, but it's, it's been a different messy. one. Yeah, that's exactly different right. kind of I one. just the only thing I don't I, I I just I'm worried about. I don't believe like I believe in get. I would not fire Kenny after this year. I just but don't I, think it's feasible or, or well, acceptable. I, I at this wouldn't. Point. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I would, but I would. It's not happen. I would want more substantive, and we're not necessarily entitled to this here on the outside as fans, uh, but. I I would want more substantive understanding of how, like why things weren't better. Like Eve, to me, you give him as much grace as possible for every like everything that that Jerry Eves ever brings up as like a reason for why things aren't Kenny's fault. If you give him all of it, the the part that he's on the hook for and and responsible for, if Jerry believes he's responsible for anything, like he's. I want more about why didn't it work out better than it did. I'm just not in the position or of the frame of mind that we just none of this is a reflection on Kenny at all. Forget uh, that. You get, you, we just, can't do that. I'm yeah. not doing that. That's but that's we've been fighting against that since gosh the first ten games of the year. You know, like that's I refuse that uh, on every level. Like I'm like he's coming back. We need to figure out ways to fix it. You address the you can't address the problems until you acknowledge them. You know, and if you don't acknowledge anything that you've done as a problem, you're not going to fix it. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line with this. Like external now, issues aside, the funny part will be, and I don't, I don't anticipate this happening. There's a but, funny part, Mark. Well, the funny part would be like if if they are able to if if the quote unquote cloud was like a giant issue. Yeah, and like the, if it actually was. Like, yeah. yeah, they couldn't get assistance who wanted to, to do the job, and now they don't have to worry about that, and a bunch of recruits and jump on, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. Like, it would be funny if it turned out to be that, uh, but I, th- I think, obviously, we're a little further down the road. We know that that's not – there's not one cause or one explanation for any of this. No. Uh, there's a lot of things going on kind of at the same time. But, the, look, the, to me, a takeaway from the Georgia Tech game, just kind of disappointed to see them go back to, I think, 
backsliding that we, you know, taking away the feeling I think that a lot of us had that we had at least moved past kind of the dregs of the earlier part of the year. This just felt like one of those games, and I was, I had really hoped we were past that. Yeah, agreed. It was, uh, it was a rough one. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll open up the phones. We'll let you guys begin uh, to sound off on this. We have a million other things. We're starting to get to post-slash-off-season parts of the basketball schedule uh, now. I mean, conference tournaments are starting now, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the, really is the best time of year. And we got to get back to where Louisville's a part of this. So we'll talk about all that here uh, and more. A million other things to get into here on The Drive on Attend the Villa on Monday. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. We'll go ahead and open up uh, the phones. Uh, If you want to weigh in here, we usually do this on a Monday. Uh, Primarily, we led things off here at least talking about the fact that Louisville loses to Georgia Tech. Uh, and loses in, I think, particularly depressing kind of non-competitive fashion. Uh, it was, pretty embarrassing, um, really. It was if you asked uh, Chat GPT or whatever, one of these AI bots, to uh, to write, you know, a Louisville gamer, it, any of the ones that it had done previously would have applied really to this. And Louisville yeah. didn't didn't defend particularly well, turn the ball over a lot, you know, just. This, the the same things that have really I, I think plagued them all year were were back. It was the the worst of the things that you you just don't want to see in the team. They were right back, and it's it's demoralizing in that regard. Uh, I didn't really feel like there was anything fresh to be upset about. It just was more of a disappointment to see the same old things back again. Well, that's that's really the biggest thing to be com- <laughs> upset about is that it was the old things that. We hadn't gotten rid of, of course, but you thought you're getting a little bit of progress, especially on the offensive end over the last couple weeks. And then it's like, nah, just same old team when you're four and twenty-three, and that's the reality of your of your predicament. Predicament is it four and twenty-four now? I don't even. I lose track, man. I believe they're four and twenty-five now. Four and twenty-five. I lose track. Like I had it in my mind earlier this year what the final number was. Like if we if we lost four and out, twenty five, right? And it would be four and twenty eight, I believe, was the final number. So it makes sense. So if we lose the next two games and lose in the first round of the ACC tournament, it's four and twenty eight. So that's it's sad that that's the math I've been doing all season. <laughs> like that's that's the math I've been reduced to. I'm not listening. I'm not thinking about like uh, you know the net rankings or or our seeding in the ACC tournament or anything like that. I've been thinking like, man, how bad could this get? If we stay at four wins, 
if we stay at five wins, like what's our ceiling here? And that's it's just it's really depressing math. Most math is depressing, but you know. That's- well, and and the, but there's like there, this is the whole confusing, uh, contradictory challenge of having a bad year, but saying you're you're going to stick with the head coach is like right. like the 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 worse the year gets, the more you expect there to be change in turnover, either with the roster or the coaches or both. But that, but the more turnover you have in those places, the more you're saying you didn't really accomplish anything this year with these guys. Like it's, it's like it's lose lose. Like ultimately, there's no good way to feel about a four and twenty-five team. The the, the more where they lose like this, the less you want to see any of these guys really come back, which makes this whole year a waste. Which is just like God, this is depressing when we talk about it. Well, like Mark, that. that's. This is what I've said all season and what we've talked about all year is is it's okay to talk about it in theory. You know, you're like, well, be 4 and 28, you know, and well, you got to bring Kenny back for a second year and I st- I'm 99% Kenny's going to be back next year. Um for the list of reasons, but he ultimately you've got to make sure he gets his shot at it regardless of how bad this year has been, but at the end of the year you look at 4 and 28 and it's four and twenty-eight. <laughs> like the reality is so much different than talking about it theoretically. Like it's, you look at it and go, man, why are we bringing him back again? You know, like you'll say, you'll, I understand the conversation and having that feeling because the reality of it is completely different than talking about it in theory in January or even February. Like the reality of four and twenty-eight is kind of coming at us at this point. We're almost there couple of other texts into the uh, UPS Jobs text line. And if you want to join us, you can. 8150 or 3831 Uh Texture says, there are several guys I would want back next season, but not as starters. And I don't really know how, you, how you'd necessarily go uh, about getting some guys to come back and then not be starters. But that's kind of another way of having the conversation of, like, what did you accomplish this year? You know, if you, if you have guys that you want them to come back, but you don't want them to be starters, like, what did you do with – What'd you get done this year that you wouldn't even want guys who, you know, in year two in the system, you don't think that they would be starters. But I understand what the texts are saying, right? I don't know. I feel like, Dave, just in the abstract, I would almost err on the side of discontinuity. If, like, if there's any debate about somebody, just be like, yeah, it's probably better if you go on. Well, that's that's the um, the way we looked at it last week where I was like, look, I, I have a list of guys that I – some that I think I definitely want back and a couple I would consider and – but the truth about it is nobody's indispensable on a four and 28 team. Like nobody's indispensable. There's nobody that's a for sure. Like I have a list of guys that I think I want about Mike James, you know, Kamari lands and JJ. Like I, I want those guys back and a core four. We, we don't even need to scratch the surface with him. So he's, he'll be back probably like I, those are the guys that I think I want back for sure. But if you told me, yeah, you know, we're only going to bring back a couple, maybe two guys from this roster. I understand it. Like, I don't think anybody could really be up in arms over anybody getting eliminated from a four in 2014. I just don't. Well, you don't necessarily get better by guys coming back. Right. Right. It's it's the same as when you look at 
the returning production numbers. And football loves this, right? Here's your returning production. Right. You've got nine returning starters on defense this year. Well, guess what? They stunk last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't want those nine guys back. Like there's, you know, there's a, there's a part of this where I think you probably would err on the side of just discontinuity. And I think the sad reality for the, uh, as far as like the, the quality of the hand they were dealt and what they've tried to do with it, there really isn't one player like, do you remember how much we talked a couple of years ago when Malik Williams got hurt in the preseason? We're like, man, they might they might barely be an NIT team without him. Like, it was devastating. Think, but I don't think that there's one person on the roster right now that if they don't come back next year, you'd be like, well, they're screwed. Not any of them. Well, no. No, because there's, there's no performances you can build off of. You know, like, I... I like I want Mike James back, and I want Kamari Lands back, and I want JJ back. But if they don't come back, what are the odds that the guy replacing him next year is better or worse? I don't know. Like I, I, as a team, it's so hard to evaluate these guys. Like even if there's individuals you think you want back, like this team is so bad. I don't know. It, it just I don't think you can you can be too heartbroken over anybody leaving. Like there's guys that I think I want, but I wouldn't be heartbroken if the whole roster got turned over like that i think that that's what most people are looking at this as um i think right now i i think i right now would want jj trainer mike james and kamari lands and i would and i could live with anything anything else like i, I think i want those three those three for sure for sure for but me. i don't like if you tell me that ls wants to pursue his pro career be it in the nba or, or or elsewhere or some of the other guys like i'm not sure that i i think i'd be okay with any combination of of guys coming and going but those three like i want those three everybody else would almost feel like i'm willing to sort of take the gamble that just some fresh air and fresh faces and fresh ways of doing things will be better than seeing Jalen with try again you know or, yeah. or another year of Sidney curry jogging like, I don't need it. No, I, Sydney I, Curry watching other people get rebounds. I don't like. I'm. I've had enough of that. Honestly, I'm, I'm open to most things except for. I can't imagine a, a scenario where Sydney comes back, and I think Rose is probably done. You know, and I look. I, I liked. Uh, uh, why am I blanking? Devin Ree, uh a lot coming out of high school, but like, like if he can't crack the rotation on this bad of a team, like I doubt. I doubt he's coming back next year. Like he's probably looking around, going, "Dude, the roster's only going to get better," you know. And I couldn't play this year. There's clearly they didn't feel like they had to get him on the on the court, you know. So he's probably moving on. Like I, I, I think that core of Kamari, you know, Mike and 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 JJ, and then like I can be talked in. Like I had a list of a secondary list after that with like. I think Brandon Hundley Hatfield I could be talked into. Like, I, there's a world where I want Jalen Weathers on this team, but he's not going to be a starter probably. You know, he's, he's probably going to be a role player. Like, and I think that combine those three young guys with, with uh, you know, Curtis and Caleb and, and whoever else we might bring in next year and then hit that transfer portal hard. Hit it hard. You got you to gotta bring in probably three, four starters out of that transfer portal and probably five rotation guys total. Well, and I think, unfortunately, I think for them, in terms of like drumming up interest and getting excitement, kind of building for what the future might hold, 
working in the portal is not gradual. You know, I, th- I think that it's not something where it's like, here's headlines about this guy and here are his finalists and here's when he's taking visits like portal stuff kind of gets done first of all under the cover of of darkness because some of it is technically at least tampering right Uh, and and it's right it's not the same and and out loud and uh events and as as normal sort of recruiting a lot of back channel stuff going on well and by the time we hear about move x or y a lot of legwork has already been done uh, and I think we would be remiss at this point to be talking about sort of what we expect or hope for next year's team uh, to not mention the fact that there is a seven-footer, Dennis Evans, who is a class of 2023 kid who had originally signed a letter of intent to go to Minnesota, uh, who has asked out of his letter of intent and by all accounts, you're starting to see you know, recruiting folks put in their crystal ball predictions in for Louisville for him to end up here. And I've heard this from, from folks that I trust that they feel really good about it. Uh, the, the problem for them is we have felt good about others. Sure. And it, and it has not worked out. So if there's a little bit of gun shyness, I think, on the part of some folks to get overly excited about it. But there's no denying that there's, there's two parts of this that I think would be a lightning bolt of excitement i think for folks if this gets done well three things one it would just be them getting it done with a really high profile kid uh, under the like without anybody knowing about it in the middle of this if they're able to convince that kid uh, to come here i don't care how it gets done that's great it's also the caliber of recruit we have been we've come to expect when you hired kenny Payne. we're talking about the number 18 overall recruit in this in last year's recruiting class and then we're talking about a kid who is sorely lacking, Dave, on this team. This is a an instinctive, physically gifted shot blocker. And you know, you've been watching basketball long enough to know what it looks like when a kid has ways to go on his physical body, but is an anticipatory shot blocker. There are guys who just feel it coming. They see it coming. They know where to be. They know what a guy looks like when he's about to shoot, and they know how to block shots. Like this team wins five more games if they have like a solid shot blocker, just because it changes every single thing you can do on defense. Absolutely. When you have when you have an eraser on the inside, yeah, which Louisville does not. It's it's a security blanket, you know, and it's it's. I think it was Scott Snyder, you know, Quentin's dad, who tweeted out like this team would be ten to twelve points better on defense if they had a true shot blocker. You know, <laughs> like just it changes everything in the way you can defend people on the perimeter. Um, you know, how aggressive you can be on the ball and everything like that when you know you have uh that help side coming. Well and, and it works the other way too. When you can be more aggressive on the perimeter defensively, you can take more chances get out and run and get some easier baskets you can you can have a defense that feeds your offense yeah and how much would it be like think about this if you just give louisville a a slightly above average uh replacement level shot blocker on this year's team you probably give up six ish fewer points a game like you'd like to think somebody could alter or eliminate three attempts at the basket yeah, it's and, not just about the, the blocked shots. It's the altered shots, too. Right. Or, or the, the passed-up opportunities yeah. that never get taken because they fear somebody blocking a shot. And being able to perhaps just jump a couple passing lanes. 
get two layups a game, you know, out of a, a slightly more effective pressure defense because you know you have a shot blocker back there. I mean, think about what Gorgie did to the twenty twelve and twenty thirteen teams. Right, that's, I mean, that's what, I, what I just named was yeah. ten points. Yeah. If, if the Louisville's margins are 10 points different just off of a decent shot blocker. And make no mistake here, guys, this kid is awesome. Like We're talking about a five-star big man who is instinctively good at the thing we're talking about. This is not Aiden Agehan who just has like a, a crazy body or something. We're, like Aiden Agehan always played to me. That crazy always, body. Well, he always, to me... <laughs> Dave, he always looked like a guy who had read about basketball when he played basketball. Like, he'd read the instruction manual. Like, that's what – nothing was instinctive. Nothing sort of seemed to be second nature to him. He was, like, reading and reacting. Slot A, point B, like, the whole – and you can't play that way. This guy is the opposite of that. There's a, there's a ton to be excited about the possibility of bringing that kid in. Oh, for sure. No, and, and I just keep thinking of – you know, we thought going into this year that between all the bigs we had, we would have somebody that could play that role, you know, and we just, yeah. none of them can, you know, none of them did. And it, it's a valuable lesson. And we, we've learned our lesson, like with the Gahan and everybody, like it's a valuable lesson to know that if just because you're signing a guy who's 6'10 or 6'11, seven foot, uh, who looks the part doesn't mean he can actually do it, you know, and, and we see the highlights of Dennis Evans and his reputation, his MO is, is shot blocking and controlling the play, the pain and everything. And I, I mean, he would be a massive addition to next year's team. Well, and again, it would be, it would send lots of signals. One, Louisville's not out of the game of being able to get high profile kids. And quite frankly, uh, with, with all the realignment talk, we'll talk a little bit about this in a minute or a little later on in the show, being able to just take a kid from Minnesota. Good. I like it. Right, and, yeah. and if if this is the result of a concerted NIL related effort that was done the way big time schools do things like getting somebody like that, good. I'm glad. I don't care how embittered it makes someone else. I am glad that they're able to do it and that Louisville can still do it. And basketball wise, this is really great. Like, this is the very thing we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, a kid who is raw, but is physically gifted, has – he seems to enjoy shot blocking. You know what I'm talking about when there's a guy that like – Oh, yeah. No, they relish the opportunity. It's re- just like guys yes. who relish the opportunity to dunk, you know. Yep. And, yep. And he looks like that. And this team – there are a few things that I think you could add to this roster that would change things more than a guy who is a – who delights in shot blocking. I think it's funny, like, uh, everybody's reaction, like, oh, great, another big. It's like, yeah, well, most of our bigs weren't good this year. Like, you know? like Yeah, oh, we had I a know. ton of size. Like, we had a lot of 6'10", 6'11", 6'9", dudes, and that's where we thought we'd be okay. But, guys, we didn't have anybody we could rely on this year at the 4 or 5. We didn't all year long. Like, we've had flashes from Huntley Hatfield. You know, we had – flashes from other guys kind of and really it's it's at the end of the year just because we had those guys on the roster doesn't mean it's not a a need like i realize that everybody wants guards but we also need a shot blocking dominant center like we could take i don't care who you are if you're really good at bat like at this point if you do something really well on the basketball court we need you we need this yeah like and this roster needs everything 
So there's no yes. one that could come along that's good enough to help you win in the ACC that Louisville is set at. You know, if you yeah. are trying to make the case like, oh, we don't need that guy, you're going to end up sounding like those Cavs players that are like, ah, LeBron, he can come in if he wants to try to help. <laughs> you know, like, like this team needs help everywhere. Let's get to Paul in here. He's been waiting. Paul, thanks for waiting, buddy. Kick us off here on the drive on I thought the Villain on Monday. What's up? Hey, wanted had a few comments about the the men and the the women. Sure. Uh, Great. As far as, as far as the men's go, y'all are talking about you know possibly turning over the entire roster, or you know, and you have three players that you'd be you'd like to see come back. Do you think if we turned over the entire roster, that wouldn't be a you know starting at zero because you don't have anybody that's familiar with the coaching style, nobody that you know knows how a coach is going to react to this no no leadership wouldn't that hurt worse than having some borderline guys come back uh i i think people look at this year's team and say where's the leadership you know what i mean like i your point's taken paul like i i, I don't necessarily i think my point with that conversation was even the guys that I'm saying I want back, like I'm not kicking everybody off the team, Paul. Like what I'm saying is I don't think you can say any of these guys are indispensable. You know what I mean? Because this team is four and gonna be four yeah. and twenty eight. That that was my more our point, I think. Not that we'll kick them all out, start over again. It's more like how how long's the list of guys that we just can't lose? You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if the the list is is that long. And, and quite frankly, I don't know if it's much more than three. I, I understand the, the the value of continuity, and I totally buy into that. But I also, I think most people's counter to that would look at this and say, man, where was the, the leadership on this year's team? And who bought into the system this year that you absolutely have to have back next year? Right. And then, and I just wanted, before I go, I wanted to make yeah. a quick comment on the uh, the women's Please game from, yeah. from the weekend because that was, that was a tough one. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm really going to miss Mikasa next year. Oh, we all uh, are. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> she, emb- she embodies the uh, Louisville first card forever. I mean, yeah. if, if we're going to put anybody's picture up there, uh, she's it. Men, women, it doesn't matter. She embodies that spirit because she's stuck around here. And I give her – I started a couple weeks ago watching the game. She gets the Muhammad Ali Award every every game because she seems to hit the deck and take hits and <laughs> just keep on coming. And every team needs somebody like her. She She's always always coming at it. But, uh, you know, the game, uh, the women's game over the over the weekend was uh, they had it in hand. And if you looked at the stats, everything was equal. You know, rebounds, uh, shooting percentage, three-point percentage, everything was equal until you got to free throws. And free throws decided that game. And... You know, my mom was, uh, you know, oh, they lost their best player and they, they still won the game. I I think sometimes that made it harder to defend because now you don't have a focal point uh, for the defense to go on. 
and uh, and it it was just it was a rough one. I'm glad they still got the four seed and they get the double bye going in into the tournament. But based on their uh, who they've played this year, I think they're probably going to be one of the more dangerous teams in the ACC tournament and the NCAA. Appreciate uh, the call there, Paul. Thank you. Uh, appreciate uh, on both of those points. The first thing he brought up about the men's team, the only thing I'll say is what he's bringing up is the downside or it's the cautionary tale sure. about just flushing this whole year as being about the players. Well, that means you're going to start all over again next year uh, and, and not have anything to really – like Kenny should have more to show for this year as like a core building block for next year. And, he, and I hope he's got good explanations for for why it is the way that it is and it's a high risk, high reward thing to just sort of say, hey, we're going to blow this roster out and maybe bring back two or three guys, maybe. Well, the next year's got to be really good and it's all your fault. And if it is, you get the credit for it. And if it's not, you don't. Uh, like, yeah. like, you're fired, basically. Like, he is taking it on himself by saying, it's these guys' fault. Let me get other guys. Like he said the other night on the coaches' show, like, I'm going to bring in guys we're used to having in here, guys, quality character, guys, all that sort of thing. Okay, well. You know, next year the roster is all you're making, and it it can't look anything like this one. As far as the women's yep. game uh, is concerned, they have an mo right now. The, if you look at the Ohio State game, the NC State game, and both Notre Dame games, they are they can play toe to toe with anybody for about three ish, three and a little more quarters of a game, but in the fourth quarter. You know, it's easy to look at a blown lead and say, like, your defense failed you. But their M.O. has been going completely dormant offensively down the stretch in these biggest games. And it's not one person. It's not scheme. But, they, Biscuit, they, like, they just go ice cold down the stretch when they need some buckets and the teams that they've played have hit buckets in this fourth quarter. And I, I don't know that that's a problem that gets fixed, you know, in, in a meeting or with, with one little tweak, but it has been the thing that has plagued them all year. I obviously have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, we are right up against the break. I don't know if you want to get into it on the other side, um, but yeah, yeah, I've, I've got, cause Paul had some good points, but there were statistically, it was really, it was shooting from the field that got us not, free throw shooting we actually outscored them from the free throw line by five um and we out rebounded them by seven we actually beat them in most statistical categories um and just could not find the basket in the second half i mean at one point with a couple minutes left in the game the second half shooting percentages were 68 percent to 32 percent like it just it's so hard to overcome in a game where we were up by by nine late in the first half. So in in, in into the, the third quarter, it was it was a frustrating one down the stretch, and I have a lot more to get into on that. But we probably need a few more minutes to get into it. Yeah, we we can we can revisit that. I I think the I would not want to play Louisville because I think Jeff's no. a good tournament coach, and I think Louisville has gotten to the end of the year having not solved that issue. Uh, and that's generating enough offense to close out some of these bigger games against the better teams on their schedules. And I really thought like the the biggest disappointment uh, about the game was that, it, that I just felt like they 
the sky is the limit if they just break through one time. Yeah. You know, just finish the Ohio State game. Just finish either of these Notre Dame games. You know, just finish one of these games against the better teams on your schedule to know that you can do it. They did it against North Carolina, and I thought that would would set it off down the stretch. And I was like, man, if they could just get one of these Notre Dame games, and both of them were a one-possession game. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the thing. Like the first one was overtime, and that one I felt like we we had in hand, and this one we had in hand until until late in the fourth, and it just they just have these lulls offensively. That they're they're having a tough time getting through. And yesterday, Notre Dame switched to a to a zone in the second half, and it took Louisville a long time to adjust to that. And I don't know if they they ever really did. Um, completely and obviously i want to talk more about mikasa and uh, the reaction that olivia miles injury because that was kind of my point last night was sometimes when a star player goes down and the other team adjusts it's a tough look to adjust to because like sonia citron handled the ball more and she was on fire last night you know it's it's kyle boland coming in exactly kk lance for like if you game plan for a player that they that they center so much of their team and offense around like it gets it can be dicey when when that you have to adjust all right we'll take a quick break here we will come back we'll continue on both of these discussions on the other side here on the drive on at the right back 